Well, with this being our final uh, week uh, before Christmas, our last gathering of the year, this is also our final week in our series, The Songs of Christmas, that we've been in since uh, the week after Thanksgiving. And in The Songs of Christmas, we've been looking at Luke's gospel, his account around the birth and life of Jesus, and specifically those first two chapters, all about the nativity scene and, and uh, Zechariah and Mary and the angels and the shepherds. The whole story is, is more or less kind of like a, this, this musical. Because you'll have these moments of dialogue and the plot moves forward and then one character kind of breaks out into song and they kind of sing this, this poem, this hymn, and then the story keeps moving, you know, and then somebody else begins to sing and all along it goes. In the first week we saw Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, her song called the Magnificat, and it really is, man, a punk rock anthem about God's gracious reversals when God exalts the lowly and he takes down the mighty. In the second week we look at John the Baptist's death Zechariah, his Benedictus, which is really like a, like a reprise of all of the songs and the hymns and the prayers of Israel over the generations. He kind of brings all of them together, mixing all the lyrics and the tempo and the beats and the music uh, as only the best of musicians can do. Uh, if you haven't seen Encanto yet, they do it wonderfully, as only Lin-Manuel uh, can. And then last week, uh, we looked at uh, the angel song of Gloria, which is, it comes across as a military anthem, but the whole song is about how God has brought about his peace, not like Rome by the sword, but by a vulnerable baby sitting in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. You see, it's all been these songs with different genres. And today we are looking at Simeon and Anna. You'll see them here behind me. Now, Simeon and Anna far and away, are some of the most forgotten characters in the Christmas story. Uh, many of you uh, have not heard about them, uh, depending on how long you've been around the church. Maybe you haven't read through Luke's gospel, and so, you know, what does Cinnamon and, like, Princess Elsa's sister have to do with, with the Christmas story? I mean, and here's the thing. They're not included in our nativities. They're not included in, in many of our readings, but they, they are central figures, in many ways, the climax in Luke's gospel of the nativity story. And here's my thing. If the wise men who weren't even there at Jesus' birth is what Matthew's gospel tells us, and the angels who weren't even there as Luke's gospel tells us, but they get included in our nativities, I think today it is high time for Simeon and Anna to get the spotlight they deserve. And so that's going to be what we're going to do today. And not just because they deserve some kind, you know, it's like I feel bad for them because nobody ever talks about them. As I've spent time looking at their story this week, I believe Simeon and Anna have a deep resonance for people like you and me who have just lived through, you know, 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and, and you know, 2022 on the horizon. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read their story and begin to kind of process through the story and song of Simeon and Anna. If you're able, would you join me in standing as we read from Luke's gospel today? We'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. And uh, yeah, we'll read this together. I'll pray over our time together this morning, and then we'll, uh, we'll get right into things. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation, the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when his parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, being Simeon, took Jesus up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace 
All of this according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence and the sight of all peoples. A light for revelation for the Gentiles, uh, that is anyone not Jewish, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what Simeon was saying about him. And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, Jesus' mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall, the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own heart also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a young woman, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, for the gift of your son and for, uh, God, the gift of, of Luke's gospel that we can remember and return back to these stories. We pray that as we look at Simeon and Anna uh, today, God, that you would help us to uh, glean from them uh, what it may, means to receive Christmas well. Uh, we so regularly look to Joseph and Mary, to the shepherds and to the wise men. And uh, Father, we pray that today you'd help us to, to sit alongside Simeon and Anna or, or more that we would feel them sitting alongside us. Uh, Father, we pray you guide us through your spirit and your scriptures, that you may comfort us, that you may assure us of the redemption made through your son, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Why don't you go ahead and take a seat? So Simeon's song, right there in the middle of what we just read, and by most accords, what we can assume is that Anna actually joins in with his song, is not a punk rock anthem, it is not a reprise in a musical, it's not a military anthem of peace, but a love song. It's a genre that makes its way onto many of our holiday playlists, whether that's the electric, all I want for Christmas is you, whether that is Mariah Carey or its originator, Dolly Parton, whether that is the heartbroken Last Christmas by Wham, one of my favorites, the romantic Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, or the material love in Santa Baby, or the, uh, well, just problematic, if not downright creepy, um, Uh, Maybe it's cold outside, which somehow John Legend made worse by trying to make like a better version of, and he just doubled down on some of the weirdness of it. Uh, With all of these love songs here, what's so interesting is here we have in Simeon and Anna's story, the first Christmas holiday love song, and yet it is not directed at one another to some romantic partner and not a 53 convertible to light blue, but to God himself. And their story and song being a love song gives us a glimpse into what it means for us to love God. One of the big questions that we have, and even more the greatest question, what does it mean that God loves us? That's what we're going to be looking at today in Simeon and Anna's story. Now, just reading over that story, there's little doubt that Simeon and Anna both had a deep love and reverence for God. As you'll see behind me, Simeon is described as being righteous and devout. He is a good and godly man, righteous, dealing with his uh, relationships with others out into the world. This is the guy who's he's giving to the poor. He's caring for those around him. He's, he's not lying. He's, he's, a, he's a godly man, and he's devout. His worship, his dedication, his relationship with God. He is someone who's loving God and loving his neighbor well. He's good and godly. Anna, similarly, it says she doesn't depart from the temple. This is a way of saying, like, she didn't miss a Sunday in her, like, you know, church rhythms. And her life is one that's built around worship and fasting and prayer. 
day and night, it says. These are two people that we cannot doubt their love for God. But even more, one of the things that's curious about their love, one of the other things that Luke connects them both in is, you'll see behind me, that both of them are old and both of them are waiting. Simeon, we get these allusions to him having this, that he will see the Lord's anointed before he dies. And then, you know, right as he holds Jesus, you know, he says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. This is some lingering, you know, idea that this is an elderly man and uh, Anna, you know, um, Luke is a little less gentle with. He just kind of says, like, she was advanced in years. Like, he doesn't, there's no hiding in the text. She is old. But both of them are waiting. Simeon waiting for the consolation of Israel and, and Anna being paired with all of those who are waiting for the, the redemption of Israel. They are defined and described not just as being devout or prayer or fasting, but a lifelong waiting. Now that word waiting, we, we bring our own constructs into the word and we imagine them kind of sitting in the temple twiddling their thumbs waiting for something, you know, or sitting in traffic. The idea being the thing that they want to get to is not here and so in the meantime you just kind of don't do anything. And that is not at all what Luke is trying to get to us. You see, Luke, when he wrote this gospel, didn't obviously write it in the English that we're reading it in. He wrote it in Greek. And uh, normally I don't get into like a bunch of super Greek, but you guys are going to Greek out with me. Merry Christmas. And I promise this is of deep importance in just a minute. So track with me and I promise it's going to be worth it. The word that Luke uses to describe them waiting for the consolation of Israel and the redemption of Jerusalem is this word prostekomai in the Greek. And it is a compound word from pros, which means toward something or to something or for something, and, and dekomai, which is that the action of welcoming or receiving or accepting someone. And so pros dekomai is the looking toward receiving, the anticipation of accepting, the, the waiting for to receive someone. It's even used physically to describe someone who's looking with eyes squinted on the horizon, maybe even their arch back forward and up on their tippy toes. Pros dekomai is what my daughter does from the couch looking out the living room window when she knows that friends are coming over or a noble DoorDash courier is just around the corner with the bounty of noodles and Long bao. Like this is what my daughter does. And over right now, she's counting down the days to Christmas. This is not just kind of Christmas is maybe coming at some point. We know it's days away. And so every day is how much longer. This is what the advent calendar is all about. One day closer, counting down the days. Simeon and Anna, like my daughter, is prostekomai, an anticipation, a looking forward and looking to and Luke says this is the defining characteristic of Simeon and Anna. Not a life of waiting around for something to happen, but looking on the horizon, looking towards the future, believing and trusting that something is just around the corner. That is God's consolation, God's redemption. The insight that we receive from them is Simeon and Anna show us that you'll see behind me, loving God means that we expect him to be good. Loving God means that we expect him to be good. Good not just in his character, but good in his promises to us. And one of the strongest things that we see in Simeon and Anna's story is that not just that we love God by expecting him to be good, but we love God and we expect him to be good, especially when the world and our lives are falling apart. Now, loving God means 100% more than this. It, in just a few months, in the next year, we're actually going to do a series, a field guide to loving God, looking at the life of Abraham. Looking at, there's a, there's a handful of these examples here, but even in Abraham's story, this is one of them. Loving God means we expect him to be good. Prostekomai, looking toward and forward God's goodness, his faithfulness, his character, his promises to us. 
especially when the world and our lives are falling apart. Because this is what Simeon and Anna's story sets before us. There's a lot of parts in what it means to love God. Simeon and Anna's story sets before us. Loving God means expecting him to be good. You see, Simeon lived a life where his world had fallen apart. Being raised and living his long life as an Israelite, as a Jew, he was living in Jerusalem. If you know anything, Luke assumes it. And so just to fill in some of the details for us, him being someone, an Israelite who lives in Jerusalem, you just remember the story of Israel and what Jerusalem was meant to be. Jerusalem was meant to be the place where God reigned with his people, where the God of Israel made his presence known through the temple, where God was there and that they were this, you know, this embodiment of God's blessing moving out to the rest of the nations, the place where your God reigns. And what has Simeon lived his whole life with is not God reigning, but Rome, it seems. His whole life, for generations before him, it has been Assyria, it has been Babylon, and now the latest iteration of Rome with their boot on the neck of the Israelite people and and. All of their dreams and their hopes of what it means to be the people of God are dashed to pieces. He's a person whose world has fallen apart. Anna, on the other hand, is someone whose life had fallen apart. You see, we read the details in her story, and we find that she, as this young woman, gets married. She gets to settle in. By all counts, she's living the perfect life of what would be expected of her and what she would expect of herself. She settles down. She begins to build and dream about the life and the family she's going to build with her husband. And just seven years in, her husband passes away. And with it, all of her hopes, all of her dreams are are dashed to pieces. I mean, the closest comparison of what we could do if we were going to make a movie out of Simeon and Anna's story. Anna's story would be the little seven-minute montage at the beginning of the story of Up. Right, the thing that like just like seven minutes and everyone's crying in the theater. Like, and even even now I know it's coming and I still cry every time I watch it. Because what we're seeing is this experience of someone's life slowly and piece by piece, but then ultimately in these one moments, everything falls apart. And with pieces scattered, they're incapable of putting back together again. This is Simeon and Anna's life, one in which their world and their lives have fallen apart. I mean, over the past year, maybe even for some of us over the past week, it feels as though we have Simeon and Anna, you know, these elderly couple, I mean, not couple, but elderly pair, that are placing their arms, you know, over our shoulders and sitting with us in the midst of what we've been through over the past year or two. Many of us feel, you know, the fact that our world has fallen apart. I mean, you just go down the list. We are still, you are all wearing masks. We are still making our way through this. And Omicron is not making any of that seem any sooner. We continue to live within a nation with deep political polarization. I mean, this is, just remember, as quickly or as long as this year has felt, we are still within the calendar year that the Capitol was stormed. Right? This, in many ways, is all of the dreams of what we thought about not just being on planet Earth, but even being American, all of these images dashed to pieces. For some of us, the, the portrait of what we thought it meant to be America in the midst of our conversations about race over the past few years, it, it feels like the world as we knew it has begun to kind of fall apart. The Simeon placed his hand on our shoulder, and yep, I'm right there with you. Similarly, many of us have not just experienced our world falling apart, but our lives falling apart as well. I know many of you here in this room who uh, have been touched by death in some way within your family over the past year, that have lost family members, even parents, lost close ones. This is all of our dreams and our expectations of life to be lived and who's gonna be right beside us and with us the whole way there. And now there's someone that's missing. 
there are those of us within the community that we've, we've uh, suffered in the midst of infidelity within our marriages, of, of pain and loss within our relationships. Some of us getting into the dream job that we always wanted, but then finding it to be a nightmare. Struggling through the work of infertility. Some of us struggling through the difficulty of just, you know, I'm still single. Like, you know, and this, this, this thing is not going down or pausing. That the dreams and expectations of what we had, where we'd be right here at this point in our lives is, that is not at all what we thought. And these things have been dashed to pieces. Looking at Simeon and Anna this week, the question that was brought to me, and I've just been considering, is, man, what do you do, or better said, what have you done when the world and your life is falling apart? For some of us, we move into a direction of becoming bitter. We become emotionally jaded. We just check out. Some of us, we we compulsively move to trying to fix every little thing that we can. Others of us, we just turn inward and we, we isolate and we close ourselves off from the world. We get angry. We become cynical and we use sarcasm to keep ourselves safe. Or we ditch God entirely. What do you do? What have you done? Maybe all of these. <laughs> over the past year, over the past week. What do we do when the world and our lives are falling apart? And here's the thing is we may read that list, we may know exactly how we deal with it, and yet that that is just the natural operating procedures of we don't know how else to operate. And yet what's so profound is though neither Simeon nor Anna lived in a world or lives where loving God let alone expecting him to be good, came naturally. Both of them, their posture amid it all, was loving God and anticipating, expecting, looking toward and forward him to be good. As children of Abraham saying, the Lord will provide. Now we may read this as we do oftentimes when we come into the scriptures and we're, well, these, you know, Simeon and Anna, they're, they're in the Bible for a reason, right? These are the Bible story heroes. The reason why they're in the Bible is because they're not like us. These are the people that, uh, whatever they did, they were able to not have to deal with the loss and the falling apart of their lives in the way like all of us do. And, and I think Luke would honestly challenge us a little bit because he's giving us the details and the elements of how they were able to live a life of loving God and looking for him to be good. Luke would challenge us and say that, in fact, Simeon and Anna's, their posture of waiting was hard fought and hard won, but it was won all the same through the Spirit and the Scriptures. You'll see behind me how, how Luke goes at an, an overrange to define and describe Simeon and Anna with a deep connection to God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit. Three times Luke describes Simeon as having the Holy Spirit upon him and the Holy Spirit's revealing things to him and and he's walking in the Spirit. And then uh, Anna gets the incredible like, you know, gift that she gets the title of prophetess. Seven women in all of scripture get this title and here Anna gets it. The prophet being someone filled and guided by the Holy Spirit. Luke is telling us the, the way to be able to look expectantly, to wait and trust that God will be good is in some way deeply connected to God's comforting and abiding presence, his empowering presence within you. Now saying this, some of you may go, yeah, even more, these people are superheroes. And yet the promise of Jesus, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, is that this very same spirit here within Simeon, here within Anna, is present within the people of Jesus today capable and able of guiding us in the midst of our falling apart lives and world. But more than just having the spirit, they also 
they also have a deep connection and reflection on the scriptures. You see, Luke describes them not just as waiting, but as waiting for, as he puts it, the consolation of Israel for Simeon and for Anna, the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, Luke is not making anything up. Simeon and Anna were not just kind of, what are you waiting for? I don't, you know, the, the, the redemption of Jerusalem, that sounds great. They are pulling from, Luke is winking at us, that this loving expectancy they had that God will be good was coming to them from their reading and reflecting on the scriptures. That amid their world and lives falling apart, they kept returning to the Bible. They kept returning to the scriptures and reflecting and looking over them and asking God's spirit to utilize these words to shape their hearts into a new posture. One that was able to trust in God's goodness and look to the future from that. And one of the books it seems they, they fell right into was the prophet Isaiah, who 700 years earlier, in his writings and, and prophetic words, he repeatedly talked about how God was one day going to return to his people. He was going to meet them again. One example from the book that I, seems to be the very basis for this entire story, if you ask me, is Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 7. You, you'll, you'll see it behind me here. With the prophet Isaiah looking towards the future and what God was going to do for his people said, how beautiful, beautiful, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. It's the word for gospel. How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. Who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. All those waiting and watching, they lift up their voice and together they sing for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, that is the, the mountain that the temple was built on, they will see it with their own eyes. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has consoled Israel, he has redeemed Jerusalem. Do you see it? What, what was Simeon looking for? The consolation of Israel, if the Lord is Consolation, consoled Israel. He has redeemed Jerusalem, the redemption of Jerusalem. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So here's the profound thing. Maybe you're beginning to see in some of the verses here with Isaiah is that the scriptures were not just providing Simeon and Anna with an expectancy of God's love and that God would be working for them. It actually caught them up in the story. It caught them up in God's love story. And now this is crucial because here's the, at the end of the day, we're all gathered here having a happy holiday uh, time and we're going into Christmas expecting and, and, and reflecting on the birth of Jesus, but, but an anticipation for something that is never coming is delusion. And so the whole basis is as, as helpful as this might have been for Simeon and Anna to get through her, you know, 84 years as a widow, if in fact she was predicating that on something that would never have arrived, then that was a life as happy or as waiting as it might have been that was predicated on, on a delusional, on a non-truth. Like singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas in Los Angeles, a false hope, something that will not come true. And so in order for Simeon and Anna or, or our own love for God to be worth anything, our expectation for God to be good, God must not just exist God must, in fact, be loving toward us, and he must be good on his promises to us. Enter Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. As this young, new little family enters into the temple, going through the ordinary rites of Jewish worship, 
you know, they make their way in through, you know, the lobby or whatever, and they, they bump into this, you know, old man, Simeon here. And in this little encounter, chance, or maybe guided by the Spirit, Simeon, all of his life, all of his waiting becomes reality in this moment. And Luke's gospel moves into slow motion. Someone who's normally just flying through the story, he moves into the slow motion and he begins to detail and talk about Simeon taking and lifting this little baby up to his chest and holding him close. Luke writes that he took him up in his arms. And you remember from a minute ago, we talked about Greek and we're gonna do it one more time here. This language of took him up into his arms, man, Luke had a whole repertoire of Greek words he could use for talking about someone holding or taking up something. And what Luke chooses to use is he says that Simeon decomide Jesus. He received, he welcomed, he, the whole point is what he had been prostecomide, waiting and looking toward and waiting to receive all of his life. Now in holding little baby Jesus, he is holding him himself. In holding Jesus, Simeon receives and welcomes the very thing that he had spent his life looking toward, the very thing he had spent his whole life waiting to receive. And in this moment, his expectancy that God would be good is met with a statement that, God, you are in fact good. And Simeon, not just as now finding the fulfillment of his life looking at the scriptures, he gets to jump in and become the fulfillment of them. Remember, Isaiah talked about that those who are watching and waiting will lift up their voice and together sing is literally what Simeon and Anna start doing. They become the very thing that they were looking and waiting for. He begins to sing, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, just as Isaiah's words of the beauty of the one whose beautiful feet would bring the gospel and a publishing of peace. He now, right here, right, just to me, you know, you enter into the imagination space of thinking about this story, and he's thinking about Isaiah talking about how beautiful are the feet of the one who publishes this piece of the gospel, and he's looking at Jesus' little chubby toes, and he's like, these are those beautiful feet. These, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. And he begins to sing and say, man, I'm able to depart. He's talking about his death. I am now able to die without regret or fear or anything moving towards my death. I'm able to do this with peace, with shalom and wholeness and completeness because right here, right now is the one thing I've been waiting for my entire life. And whether he knew it from Ezekiel's words or not, he knew that the resurrection, that even me entering into death is not the end of my story because of the little one right here in the gospel that he's brought. He moves from saying, you're letting me depart from peace by saying, according to your word. What is he saying? God, you were faithful to the very thing that I was expecting you to be. According to your word is I was expecting you to be good and here it is according to your word. You were, you have comforted your people. You have consoled Israel. You are redeeming these, uh, the world. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Once again, Isaiah, as he wrote, they will see your return with their own eyes. He's just, he's wrapped up in the Isaiah story and maybe he's memorized it so much that he can't help but remix that song now for himself. I even love this where he says, my eyes have seen your salvation is, is, is likely a play on Jesus' name. After him hearing, what did you name? That's what they're at the temple to do is to give Jesus his name. And he hears that his name is Jesus. Jesus' name means the Lord saves. And in his song, he says, with my own eyes, I have seen your salvation. Lord, you save. It's like, my own eyes, I've seen Jesus. I have seen the Lord saves. 
He's playing all this out. He's seeing all of his expectation and hope that God himself has returned to his people and brought salvation for them. And then he closes by saying that this has been prepared in the presence or in the sight of all peoples. It is revelation for the Gentiles. It is glory for Israel. And once again, Isaiah, as he prophesied 700 years ago, that this is not at all simply meant to remain in Israel or for the Jewish people, but to blow out into the world as salvation for all. The very question then is, how is this salvation to be set before the world, lifted up in the presence and the sight of all people? It actually comes to us in Simeon's really ominous words to Mary after this joyful song. He blesses and he looks Mary right in the eyes. And he says, man, with all the salvation, all the redemption, all the comfort, even still, this child is going to separate Israel. He is going to split it apart. People are going to be in opposition and opposed to him. And he says, and he is going to be pierced. And, and Mary, you are not going to be immune to the grief and the pain of what he will experience. See, Simeon right here is, after just singing Isaiah 52, he moves right into Isaiah 53 that talks about how God's salvation, this awaited one that would bring salvation for the world, that the way that he would do this is by being pierced. That the world's chaos and mess of a world falling apart would fall on him and would kill him so that he might heal it and heal us. This is ultimately what's gonna be fulfilled in his cross. See, what Isaiah was doing and now Simeon is here doing is he's pointing to the tremendous reaches of God's love for a falling apart world and our falling apart lives. That he has not left us at a distance or encouraged us to try a little bit better. He has entered into it and suffered not just for us, but suffered with us, allowing the falling apart of our lives and our world to allow God in Christ for him himself to fall apart, to descend into our suffering and death so that he might bring the healing that our hearts are looking for. So that not just Simeon and Anna can put their arms on our shoulders in the midst of our lives and world falling apart, but so that Jesus can. To say that I'm with you and I'm for you in the midst of all that you've gone through and I'm here to bring you a putting back together again. And so this is what Christmas is all about. It's, it's not, it is not a nostalgic story of overly spiritualized, of, of things are great down here, let's give each other some gifts and some eggnog. But in the midst of a broken world with broken lives, Jesus is here and he's healing us. And what this means is that God's love means that we can expect him to be good. That we can expect him to be good. Even when the world and our lives are falling apart. See, as Simeon held and Anna saw Jesus, God as a human, we with them were receiving the down payment of God's loyal love to humanity. God becoming a human, what that means at the very baseline, lowest level is God's commitment to humans. That he has entered into our story with us and committed his loyal love to us. And as Jesus, three decades later, was pierced and killed on the cross, we are receiving the declaration of our awaited redemption. Three days later in Jesus' resurrection and, and later in the giving of his Holy Spirit, we are receiving the source of our one comfort in life and death, the one source of our consolation in this world. 
And so the invitation for all of us today is like Simeon and Anna to receive Jesus, to welcome him, to take him up into your arms and hold him tight and to see him as the, as the proclamation, the giving of God's loyal love that you can in fact expect him to be good, that you can receive this redemption and this comfort, this consolation, and you now can live a life with eager anticipation that God has been, God is, and God will be good. And in doing so, we receive that same Holy Spirit that Simeon and Anna had that is able to guide us and empower our lives, to comfort us in the lives that are like Simeon and Anna, devout and righteous, just and prayerful, all apart, all, all amid our, our world and our lives, even while they're falling apart like Simeon and Anna. And similarly, for those of us that receive Jesus, we not just receive the Spirit, but we keep returning to the Scriptures as they remind us once and again, over again, of God's goodness and His promises and His work. So that even as we go through our lives amid the brokenness and the falling apart, that as we have the Spirit within us and the Scriptures before us, we are looking and remembering that God is good and we can expect Him to be good. That God is good and we can expect Him to be good. To remember and receive that our, our greatest needs have been met in the work of Jesus and in the story of Christmas. That God has committed to us, he has committed himself to us in all of the deep needs of our lives and of this world. And the challenge, like with Simeon and Anna, is that may come next year, that may come in the next decade. Like Anna, it might be 84 years from now. And even we find within the story, this may have to, some of these things may have to wait until the other side of death and resurrection. But God has promised himself and we can expect him to be good. And so in the midst of our lives, we like Simeon cannot just depart in peace, but we can live in peace. That God is good, he has committed himself to me. And in the midst of my world falling apart, in my life, in my family, in my relationships, in my body, in the midst of all of those things falling apart, I know that God, that your loyal love is not. And so I'm going to posture myself based off what you've shown yourself, who you've shown yourself to be in the Christmas story, in the giving of Jesus, as the place that I'm gonna allow shape my entire expectation for my life. And we, like Simeon, move then into lives that are devout and righteous, not because we're trying to put things back together again, but because we're trying to point to the God who's at work within this story. And like Anna, we can spend our days and nights worshiping God and speaking of him to all. Let's pray.